Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Is he And welcome back. Welcome back. We are live and direct here on YouTube and on some pirated radio station out in Texas, perhaps. Last I heard, thanks for being here. To all of you out there, wherever you are on this island Earth, much respect to those outside of America. And of course, those of you right here, right in front of me in this little window, in this little box. And I see little letters and see you out there. You guys are alive. You guys are well. Much respect to all of you. First time listeners, welcome aboard. I hope you stick around. This is going to be a fun one here tonight. It'll be a bit of a rattlesnake, as they say. Joining me in a moment will be Mr. Leo Zagami. Leo is a respected author, writer, and investigative journalist. He's been on this program before. And uh, personally, I have a lot of respect for Leo. I've read some of his books, and tonight he joins us once more. We're going to talk about his newest book, Confessions of an Illuminati. Volume 8, From the Rise of the Antichrist to the Sound of the Devil and the Great Reset. Now, let's get down to brass taxes and bring in our guest for this evening, Mr. Leo Zagami. Always a honor and pleasure. Welcome back, Leo. How are you? Did we uh, drop out? Is Leo gone? Did he fall asleep during the intro? No, sorry. I, I forgot to put uh, back a day. <laughs> and I'm back on. I'm I was like, oh on. no, I put him to sleep. No, 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 it's just that half of this <laughs> mic that I have to fiddle with. No worries, uh, we are back on the air, and of course, thank you for having me on, uh, Michael. It's always a pleasure, and I'm sure we can have a great chat today about uh, this uh, book uh, that I'm about to promote uh, on your show, which, as you know, it's, right. uh, I think, uh, a discrete product of great research. <laughs> and And, of course, it took me ages to put it together, but it was worth it in the end. So I'm glad to be able to, here, to be here, uh, able to present it for you. Yeah, thank you so much for returning back to the program. And yes, it takes a long time to put together a book. For those that don't know that already, lots of research goes into this. And of course, we are, you know, right around the holidays here. I can't believe it. This year has gone by so damn fast, Leo. Yeah, another year here in America for me. This is uh, now approaching my fourth year here, so it's uh, definitely great to be here and not in Europe, especially. Yeah, you don't want to be there. I'm not going that well in Europe. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, thank uh, the gods that you are here, Leo, not somewhere else. Absolutely, absolutely. That, that is something I always... Uh, Thank God every day, and uh, as as you know, I'm a believer, and I really try to uh, thank him because uh, it's uh, almost a miracle I came out of, right. of Italy without uh, uh, 
further problems. As you know, it wasn't easy to do my job over there. And uh, not at all. It's, it's it was really difficult to uh, uh, keep on uh, writing and exposing this uh, this great evil, which in Italy, unfortunately, as you know, has uh, one of their biggest centers, which is. Uh, in Rome, in the Vatican, but another big center for the propaganda of this infernal machine is Hollywood, which is the subject that we will be discussing instead today. Right. We're going to talk about everything here. And of course, they are involved as well. The Vatican, we all know what's going on there. We all know about the pedophilia that's been going on there for the longest time. Satan lives within the corridors of the Vatican, Leo, as you know. Well, uh, absolutely, but not only. Yeah. I mean, the Vatican is uh, the headquarters of the Jesuit. Uh, uh, let's say now the Jesuits have taken over the show there, but uh, the Vatican is also reflective uh, of uh, the Sabbatian Frankist movement uh, since the Second Vatican Council, when uh, it was uh, in a way corrupted and prepared to become uh, the one world religion of the Antichrist. So there is various elements at work in the Vatican and... Uh, at the same time, I touched, uh, uh, even in this book, uh, uh, I touched the subject of the Vatican because in the post-conciliar days, after the Second Vatican Council, their attitude towards music uh, gradually changed until they fully embraced, you know, guitars and singing in churches uh, up until the more recent Christotechs, which I talk about in my book, uh, which are... Uh, uh, churches where the the priest uh, DJs, <laughs> which is incredible, but uh, not really what you would expect from a Catholic mass. Right, and of course, last I uh, heard from the Pope, he was wanting you to send money to the Ukraine, but that's a whole other issue and a whole other show here. Um, well, actually, one thing. I, oh, yes, sir. I talk about uh, Zelensky in this book. Oh, do you? Uh, I talk, yeah, because of course, he, <laughs> of course, the guy is a comedian, an actor. Well, that, that's and, true, and, yes. And, and, and then uh, he also even participated uh, in, in, a, in a music video where he was... Uh, dancing, yeah. Very much dancing <laughs> in an openly Ooh. flamboyant way. Right. Uh, I didn't really talk about that, but I focus more on Zelensky's uh, appearance at the Grammy Awards and also his involvement with the Santa Stanislaw Masonic Order in Ukraine, which basically constitutes the backbone of the armed forces there and of the whole deep state of Ukraine. It's a Masonic Order that the Russians tried to... Uh, put down by uh, more or less 10 years ago trying to pass a law that will uh, uh, outlaw the Masonic associations. Of course, it didn't pass. And gradually we got up until the point of no return after the coup, uh, the change of power in Ukraine and all that that led to where we are now. The, of course, confrontation in Donbass from 2014 to 2022. But uh, in my book, I focus on the way that Zelenska, the wife, appearing on Vogue, uh, him uh, on every possible show, even, like I said, the Grammy Awards. And he only, he only says one thing. Actually, they only say one thing. Money, money, money. Give us money, money, money. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and that is because they are, of course, part of this whole show that is really uh, bringing us towards this great reset that I've, uh, of course, uh, uh, described very well in Confessions of an Illuminati, Volume 7, 
uh, that came out earlier this year in February, and it was actually a very big success, uh, a book in which I already talked about uh, the war in Ukraine. And, and you have to count the fact that this book came out at the beginning of February, right. so the war didn't even start yet, but I talk about that. I, I was about to say that to you, Leo. I'm sorry to cut yeah. you off. I was going to say, you've been ahead uh, of a lot of us here in America, by the way. It's been uh, pretty wild. A lot of things that you've talked about in the past are coming to fruition. And before I even get into any of that, I was just going to say Zelensky is uh, named Time, you know, Times 2022 Person of the Year, which is remarkable to me. And that I'm just being, you know, polite. Well, but, but that's what I said. He is a, a product. I mean, he used to be a comedian. This show went on for a number of years uh, where he was actually acting his part. He was the president of his country, just like he is now. That's true. Uh, Good point. Um, and, 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 and then uh, from uh, fiction to reality, they embrace uh, this. Uh, uh, but if we go back into uh, the production company of that uh, TV series, then we start finding all the connections that lead us all the way to George Soros. So he's a typical product of the system. Definitely, and, yes. You know, that's, that's how he acts. I mean, he's an actor and he acts very well, his part. I mean, but, but it's incredible that this... Uh, dramatic role they gave him is kind of going on and on and on trying to convince us that uh, we have to sacrifice everything for here for, for for this pointless war which is endangering first of all uh, america and europe uh, because this uh, uh, coming months are going to be very difficult uh, for uh, for europe oh yes it's all predictive programming as you know yourself leo and we're going to get into that here in a moment, but before we do, you know, just for those that are brand new here, Leo, and who have never really heard of you, let's go uh, through your background just for a few minutes, just to give everyone a little taste of Mr. Leo's Gami, because, you know, you've lived yeah. a very interesting life, Leo. You've done a lot. Well, uh, as we don't have that much time, I just want to summarize it uh, into... Uh, of course, I've been yeah, uh, involved uh, from very early age in secret societies, uh, Freemasonry, the Illuminati, and so on. Uh, all this, uh, thanks to my family background uh, within uh, the European aristocracy and the royalty uh, of uh, Great Britain and England and uh, also Scotland. And uh, of course, all this uh, brought me to have certain experiences. Then, uh, of course, as you know, in 2006, I rejected all this and I became public with my website. Right. The website was my first step into realizing that really the, the way that we approach these subjects on the Internet uh, remains always superficial because uh, people don't have uh, more... Uh, than one page or two page maximum uh, capacity of concentration when they are on, on the web. You know, it's normal, you just go through an article and that's it, you know? But uh, when you're talking about this kind of subject, you have to really go deeper. At one point, from 2009 onwards, I started uh, to publish books. And also I realized that on the internet, uh, there were a lot of people doubting my credentials, doubting this, doubting that. Uh, uh, there was a uh, uh, hacker attacks at my website. There was this and that. I mean, there was a lot of sabotage attempts. And uh, the only way to really uh, show my credibility was, uh, okay, I'm going to publish books that uh, have documentation, credible sources, and not simply speculate. You see, the book that we are discussing today, there's no speculation. It's hard proven facts. There's a, over a thousand footnotes 
and citation from credible sources, academic, uh, even mainstream, of course, uh, newspapers and so on. But uh, we have also s secret documents and stuff, which is, of course, mm -hmm. also proven to be accurate because uh, I maybe show the document or I uh, point out to the archives where they can go and, uh, of course, find that document and confirm what I'm saying. I mean, everything is done also to shield myself from possible retaliation. You have to understand also that this book in particular is no longer the book that talks about, uh, let's say, the until volume seven, I've been more or less staying in the boundaries of geopolitics and secret societies connected to it on various levels, think tanks, uh, Masonic orders, paramasonic uh, sects of various kinds. In this, in this book here, I'm actually also involving uh, uh, big names in the music business, in, in, in the acting business, in the film directors, uh, Hollywood uh, establishment. So I needed to have uh, right. credible sources uh, and uh, documents that could uh, not be confuted in any way because, uh, of course, uh, you are risking, otherwise uh, it's a liability. You can risk to be sued. That's why every single phrase in this book is being calibrated in a way that you can't, uh, you know, you can't, Confute it, or you can't blame me because these are, of course, already at times things that have been said. Others that have not really been said uh, on books that are very easy to find for the ordinary folk. Others, then research that is being conducted in archives, archives like the Rockefeller Foundation archive, or other archives of difficult access to the main people. I mean, to the people the, that uh, maybe are outside the academic world. So. It, it's a lot of work to, to put together a book that is uh, bulletproof in this sense, and then, of course, bringing it out at the right time. Now, especially, as you know, there has been this big controversy with Connie West, been a big controversy with Balenciaga, there's been a big controversy with Walt Disney, there's been a big controversy with Hollywood uh, rejoicing with Macron. Uh, and, uh, of course, the First Lady of France and everybody going back to the White House after four years uh, of Trump, they didn't, of course, like. And Hollywood was then back just uh, a couple of days later, still at the White House, with George Clooney, the CEOs of various, uh, all the various companies involved uh, in, in Hollywood and in the streaming business. Uh, so I think that it's clear that uh, the propaganda machine of Hollywood goes hand in hand with, uh, with the power plot that is uh, stabilizing the American dream and that is basically installing the American woke nightmare, which right. we see reflected also in the movies, in the, in the TV and all the rest. So in my book, I describe also socially how this happened, but then there is also an esoteric and occult element because uh, I go back into the history of Hollywood from the very foundation, 1909, 1910. So the very first movie ever shot in Hollywood, in Hollywood which was by D.W. Griffith, entitled In Old California. And later on, uh, the D.W. Griffith uh, story goes hand in hand with the Masonic uh, um, evolution of Hollywood and all the people involved, including Charlie Chaplin, which he founded with United Artists. And uh, I, of course, uh, have the possibility of uh, direct witnesses that I managed to meet during my lifetime. People that I was lucky enough to meet because, especially because of my father's background and of my 
grandmothers. Uh, my grandmother was Felicity Mason. I dedicated this book to her because she was very encouraging. Uh, uh, she tried to, to make me study acting when I was very young, when I was 16 and stuff. Then I didn't really like it, but she was very encouraging then when I took on the music business, the media, and, uh, and, and also aspiring music journalists uh, later on uh, dedicated mostly to the music business, though, as a record producer and so on. And she was very encouraging always, but she was also the person that worked for Fellini, Zeffirelli, two great Italian film directors. She was trained by Michael Chekhov and met my grandfather when they were working in his actor, acting studio, studying all the techniques that led to the Chekhov method. There is two methods of acting in Hollywood, Stanislavski and Chekhov method. These are the main methods of acting. Thing. And uh, my grandmother was a great teacher, uh, and, and she also appeared in some movies. Eh? I mean, she to learn about the Michael Chekhov technique. Well, I mean, it's it's a psychophysical approach that you have uh, to uh, to acting. So it's not uh, you go through training, which is very particular, very. Sp- very, I mean, I did it. I studied at the Trinity College in Dublin with the Joanna White School of Theatre. My grandmother was also one of the teachers. Um, and uh, so I studied very much. Uh, they, they, they use yoga techniques. They use, so they use respiration techniques. They use uh, um, psychophysical techniques that make you identify like uh, different parts of the body doing different things at the same time and putting you layers upon layers to see how much you can take as an actor it's 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 kind of interesting of course but it wasn't my it's not for you yeah no well i mean i started already when i was see my grandmother so i was very close to my grandmother i spent a lot of time with my grandmother contrary to my brother or other people in my family I, I kind of like uh, latched on to her because she was very much uh, always around the place going uh, around the world and I was very much interested from a young age to have that kind of experience. Uh, when I was 12 years old, thanks to her, I came here to the US. She was a green card holder and she was living in New York at the Dakota building, by the way, where, as you know, they did the Rosemary Baby movie where they did, uh, uh, where John Lennon used to live. Um, and and she also had a house uh, in Rhode Island in Newport, and uh, she knew, of course, uh, all these people uh, from from Hollywood. At the time, you know, it wasn't overly political the situation like it is now, but there was, of course, uh, Ronald Reagan who was in charge. <laughs> And that was great because the 80s were really great here in America. And I remember visiting in 1982 for the first time. It was a great experience. And uh, I stayed uh, in New York for uh, for a month. Then I stayed a couple of months in uh, in Rhode Island. And it was altogether a great experience. Oh, yeah. But Especially during that time. Well, also because, it, I, I, like I say in my book, I was very young. But I was very much interested in uh, the media because my mother was already conducting a radio show in the Catholic radio station in Italy, in a Catholic radio station in Italy, and then in the Vatican TV even. Um, she was basically doing that. So I was very passionate about the media, following her in the radio, and I became very, very interested in, in, in all this. And when I was 13, uh, I actually was given my first radio show. So 
when I was only 13, I started broadcasting music. That's wild. Sunday night at uh, six o'clock, I had my, my own show. And uh, it came together like this, my career. I was about 10 years old. Uh, I, I was staying with this uh, friend of my mother uh, in this village where I was going to school. My mother wasn't around. Uh, she, she left us with her friend, uh, this woman who was very much devoted, you know, Catholic. They were all very Catholic. This village was very, the whole scenario was very, very religious. But suddenly in the evening, this radio station organized a DJ evening with music, 80s style. I mean, it was dance music. And so it was a Catholic background, but suddenly there was all this music. And it was 1980, I remember. And I loved it. I really liked the what I saw on stage, the DJs, this whole thing. And so I was serving mass at the time, uh, but I wasn't really convinced about it. And I went to the priest who was the owner of the radio station. And then he became later on the founder of SAT 2000, which is the, conf the Episcopal Conference of Italy broadcasting uh, TV, which is still in existence. So, He's a very famous TV person now, this priest called Monsignor Mario Pieracci. And at the time I went to, to Don Mario, who my mother used to do a show for her on the radio every Monday. And I went to him and I said, listen, I would like to have a show. Uh, at the time I was actually reading my mother, uh, because she brought me always to the radio, they use my voice sometimes for dubbing uh, some fairy tales. Oh, okay. Uh, so I was like kind of already in, but I was doing it just, you know, with reciting these fairy tales for kids uh, on, at, uh, at ten, ten, I mean, I was 10 years old. But when I saw this DJing, I, I went to the priest and I said, listen, can I learn how to DJ? I want to DJ. And I, I was a kid. I was 10 years old. I just did my first communion, I think. And um, he said, listen, I have a deal for you. If you serve mass for me for three years, I will give you a radio show, but you have to come uh, two or three times a week to serve mass for me. I was like, whoa, man, that's, that's uh, okay. I was like, okay, said, okay. So I became the head altar boy of this, uh, of this church. And I had to, <laughs> so I went to so many masses, man. I guess they will last me for the rest of my life. I know, right? Wow. <laughs> uh, I was serving mass, which was very interesting because I even participated to the night. Uh, the, they made a night, uh, nights for the Knights of Malta at one point. So it was a very interesting experience uh, to be serving mass even in such contests uh, when you're very young. Right. I served mass uh, for a long time. And then when I was um, 13, I went to the priest. I said, well, now you should, uh, you know, keep uh, your, your word. Are you keeping your word? He said, yes, I'll give you this show. And uh, I want you also to learn some things, he said, about the media, about how we work here. And he started to teach me tricks, you know, like, for example, uh, uh, he would also call me to be a cameraman. Like, I would, they were filming the mass. Um, every day and so they needed sometimes some background voices that were actually fake they were pre-recorded to show that there were more people than they were in the church oh okay or they were like for example the camera only position for the first two lines so you can make the church appear full you yeah know, these kind of tricks you know that they, i like, see just like uh, and then on a sunday i had my first show 
and this first show uh, went uh, was broadcast in December 1983. And on the first show, I broadcast uh, music, music, Italian, mainly English. Uh, it was the period of British invasion. I also pl- played. I think I played also Africa Bambata. I played, but what pissed off the bishop was when I played Frankie Goes to Hollywood Relax. That was it, man. The bishop was on the phone the day after. So they kicked you out? No, I, of course not, because you know my mother was quite high in the Vatican. She was working as you know doing her show and stuff. So you know I was the son. Plus I come from a very particular family. Uh, my grandfather was, uh, you know, had been a senator, you know, my father. Uh, so we were kind of an influential family. They didn't want to mess too much up. And that uh, was also a positive side of things because uh, I was always kept very far from pedophilia, which I could see around. I, I was about to say, so they didn't, they didn't mess with you then? No, they would not mess with me, but they would mess with the poor kids. Oh, that my God. Me. Yeah, I saw it. It was a bit sad to see that. But that was something that was going on, definitely. And, we, and, and a lot of people knew about it, you know. But, of course, uh, they would, it, it was mostly this, this poorer, poorer... The kids. poor kids? Yeah, that came from very bad families. Oh, and they my. would take advantage of that kind of... Not, they would never, of course, do something. And, you, and Leo, you saw that... Well, obviously, you didn't see everything. But you, you saw them being led somewhere where that was occurring in your yeah. life. Oh, yeah. goddamn. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was uh, it was like it, they used to. Okay, they used to have these summer camps, and I used I never went to the summer camps. You see, and that's where it all happened. I never went to the summer camps because I was around with my grandmother, with my family in the summer. I wasn't a poor person that needed summer camps, and they preyed on those kind of kids. Oh, okay. I was pretty. I mean, apart, I knew. That that was going on, but I was never really close. Close, yeah, okay. I saw maybe some things that could uh, have happened, maybe. But the, the the what went on really in the summer camps uh, that was, I think, uh, really the bad thing. It's a little bit like uh, the sc- the Boy Scout scandals. Eden, I never I never was part of the Boy Scouts. I, I did it for maybe one day, but then I saw that that could be also place. things like that went. And on. you were out after that, I w- I would imagine. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I kind Yikes. of like experienced the Boy Scouts maybe one day in England and one day in it. But you, you have to understand, my family has also a very direct connection with the Boy Scouts. My great, great, my great grandfather was the co-founder of the Boys and Girls oh, Club, the so first club in Manchester, I and see. friend with okay. the, the founder of the Boy Scout, the founder. So they were so, contributors of that. Yeah. Um, but Leo, I, you know, when you said... Um, this a moment ago um, about only the poor kids, you know, that reminded me and this might be completely off track here. But for whatever reason, the thought of uh, Michael Jackson came into my mind, uh, mm. especially what he did or what was being accused of him at the time. Um, personally, I think he probably did touch a lot of kids, in my opinion, that were I most likely uh, poor. You see, I didn't really touch on that subject because the subject I touch when it comes down to volume eight uh, is the subject of his murder and the interest okay, around okay. his murder, which led to a Masonic order, which is still in existence, an irregular Masonic order operating uh, in Texas. Um, and basically all this, uh, it's, 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 of course, we, we can speculate on things, but remember that my book is based on facts. 
So for the first time, actually brings enough facts on the table to make it interesting to not go into speculations. So yeah, that's can, just a speculation on my part. Yeah. I'm not saying no, that's no, a fact, I mean, but no, not, I know not for you, but there's other people out there that are going to listen to this and they're big fans of Michael Jackson. And, you know, I made the mistake of talking about this once and, you know, it, I, the emails didn't stop for a while. People were really pissed off at me. And so I'm just saying, no, I, I don't know for a fact that he did that, but you know, I, I just sort of get that sort of impression. That's all. But I mean, no, I don't, no I, evidence I here. I don't know. Definitely, definitely. I explain in my book, the weaknesses that of course, uh, uh, brought him to put himself in the hands of that uh, right. Conrad Murray. Yeah. Who turned out to be an a member of an irregular Masonic obedience founded in 1921, formerly known as the United Most Worship or King Solomon Grand Lodge of Ancient and Separate uh, Freemason. And uh, this uh, irregular form of Freemasonry is, of course, dismissed by the regular Freemasons later on as being, you know, ah, this is just some irregular people pretending to be Mason. No, no, right. this, yeah. you know, the thing is this that. These irregular bodies is where actually you find uh, that things happen because these irregular bodies are usually, there is also regular masons that belong to, the, to them, but they are more open to do things uh, or, or that, that can be a little bit more, uh, how can I explain? Uh, they, they, they are more prone to deal with the illegality and with crime. Okay? Because they are not the classic official form of Freemasonry that you find uh, at the entrance of your town uh, with uh, the label, you know, yes. here is the, the, the temple and here is the thing, you know, in every town in America. No, there is some schismatic bodies. This happens very much also in Italy, where basically the real mafia is controlled by regular Freemasonry. So, I mean, this is the kind of level of criminality there. I don't say that the disobedience was uh, particularly criminal, but definitely they have some contacts. And I was able to, uh, with, uh, of course, uh, evidence and citation, I mean, the, the proper sources, uh, come down to the conclusion that definitely they helped Conrad Murray also coming out of, because, I mean, the guy was out of prison after a couple of years. Eh? He, I mean, he got away with murder. So Right. I mean, that's not an easy thing. No. Now, the interest around the... I was uh, more interested, rather than the figure Michael Jackson, I was more interested for my book on the interest around Michael Jackson and especially his uh, Beatles uh, interest, uh, the fact that he had acquired... The, the uh, catalog, yeah. Yes, and he did it also in a way that pissed off Paul McCartney. Right. He which really... Which also a very powerful figure within the Illuminati music in the music business yes he, he really took it to him for whatever reason we mean um well you know he, they had this uh, sort of um back and forth um they had this this banter before he even bought the catalog he had uh, told yeah, him well, that he was gonna do it basically yeah he he has said to michael jackson listen we can buy it together and then after michael jackson went on and bought it on his own so of course this is already the start of a. Uh, 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 of of a beef between the two, right? And uh, sneaky, we uh, was sneaky, and then there was another. Or, or, okay, there is three three elements here at play. There is Apple, 
computers, which starts a legal argument with Apple record label of the Beatles. And that is one legal point. Okay, so Steve yeah. Jobs and Steve Wozniak start Apple, and at, the, at that point they go uh, and have a, uh, they, they are fronted by the fact that they have, of course, taken a name which was used before by the Beatles for the record label. At the same time, the Beatles probably sold out all their publishing uh, because at that time that's what a lot of groups did for very little money. Then probably they regret it, and probably Paul McCartney wanted to reacquire it. Um, Paul McCartney though and the Beatles are not the saints I talk extensively in my book about them and I describe how they created this fake dichotomy between the Rolling Stones and the Beatles making them look like one was the angels and the other ones were the devils which is not really the case there was an artificial let's say in my book I explain how from uh, from 100 years ago, passing through the First and Second World War, and later, in the, after the Second World War, they started to push music uh, of a certain kind to also colonize culturally the countries with Anglo-Saxon music. And uh, the people, uh, one of the main figures uh, who created the, the, the figure of the rock star, that, I mean, in the, in the 50s, they pioneered everything, really. But uh, in the years... Before that, they also pioneered the, the very foundation of these companies. I mean, people don't know that RCA was a company working for the military industrial complex, just as EMI. So you have an idea that these record labels just appeared out of nowhere. That's not the case. Right. Yeah, and, these were and, funded heavily. And, and in my book, thanks to uh, the work or research that I did, uh, uh, in, in various uh, archives and stuff. In the end, I demonstrate how the Rockefeller Foundation, the, 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 the system that was around the CFR and all these, basically these powerful groups around table before that, uh, Cecil Rhodes and everything that then, you know, the Rothschild before that, of course, the Rothschild also helped financing Rockefeller. But then Rockefeller, it's not only we think about Rockefeller, we don't really identify the wealth of Rockefeller in the sense of what this wealth has created in America and what kind of manipulation game it has created. Huh? We just think, ah, Rockefeller, oh, Rockefeller. Well, every year we, we celebrate the Christmas tree in New York in front of the, no? Right, yeah. No one really <laughs> thinks about that too much. You're no, right. No. Nobody thinks. It's just normal. It's all part of the show and... And, uh, but then when you go into the study of it, like I do in my book, you see that uh, they, the, 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 of course, the Rothschild in the 1870s later on uh, helped uh, creating uh, literally the, the Rockefeller, the Rockefeller family, then went on to become a really important uh, asset uh, of this uh, new world order. They went on uh, later on funding the Rockefeller Foundation. They went on also though, working with the military industrial complex very closely to then deliver the very basis of what will become then the, the first TV networks. They will all be generated. And then let's not forget Rockefeller is not only Standard Oil, it's also Chase Manhattan Bank. It's also the banking system. Then you have the birth of the Federal Reserve. All this basically brings you to a manipulation that was carefully, you know, one thing at the time they produce the 
the, 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 the American dream of the 1950s that followed the war. It yes. was artificially constructed, but also in my book I explain how the military industrial complex entered Hollywood already from 1915, from the first film uh, produced uh, with their support, which was Birth of a Nation of D.W. Griffith, uh, which I mentioned earlier on. And then later on, between the 30s and the 40s, they literally established a full-on office. Still, nowadays, you have a Pentagon office in Hollywood, and uh, a guy that basically works uh, with uh, this entertainment uh, uh, entertainment business. Uh, that uh, He actually is a guy that basically functions as a trade union no? between Hollywood and, and the Pentagon. And then the Pentagon guys who maybe want to do movies and uh, need some kind of military support because they want to maybe use tanks, uh, air, airplanes, uh, right, yeah. they want to film in air bases, they want to do... It's always fashionable. Uh, you, you, the, I mean... It's, people, it's, it's all propaganda, and people don't understand that. Yeah, that was what I wanted to say. I, mean, I read your mind. Yeah, it's just like the, the propaganda... Yeah that uh, planted itself in Hollywood with the military industrial complex, created a genre of movies, which is basically the, 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 the war films, which are yeah. very popular. You know, they, they, and like you said, that people take, the, take them for granted, like they just, ah, this is just entertainment. No, no, this is being carefully crafted all along. All for a purpose, yes, the CIA has uh, controlled everything in the media, the film industry, tech industry, the government, and, uh, of course, on Twitter, as you just saw by Elon Musk exposing all that, the Twitter files about um, the FBI, the CIA controlling the narrative as they've always done before. I mean, it just took a long time for, you know, normal, regular folks that don't think about these sort of things to fully um, grasp the idea. OK, in my book, yes, sir. I talk about how the government force has shaped literally Hollywood films. There is FOIA documents, documents that, of course, uh, have been released. I must say, in, in truth, the, there is very little access to documents about this subject because the Freedom of Information Act is regularly refused by the people in the Pentagon who make you have very little access. In fact, I talk about the, the big difficulty that researchers have had uh, in these years. But in the end, they have proven that hundreds of movies have been literally edited crafted, molded by the military-industrial complex, uh, who has decided at times to omit one thing or add another one. The uh, group is called Entertainment Liaison Offices, ELO. It was established officially in 1948 under the authority of Donald D. Buruk. Uh, he died in 1997. He was followed by another gentleman called Philly, uh, Phil Straub, in the book, I actually show an image of Phil Strab watching in the war of his office all these movies that he has helped, uh, or the, 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 the gentleman prior to him has helped putting together for the military industrial complex in Hollywood. And today, the present, the current uh, head of the entertainment liaison office in Hollywood is called David Evans. And I talk about all his story in my book. So as you can see, this is journalism. This is serious journalism. It's no conspiracy theory, it's no rubbish, this is facts, not fiction. That's why my book is going very well. I've been uh, publishing it first in Italy, where uh, it, uh, it reached uh, different uh, charts, 
uh, in Italy, film and video number one in Amazon, and then other charts now. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it came out two weeks before the English version. And then now the English version is is, is on sale. Nice. And uh, and people can purchase it. And uh, thanks to my wife, we created uh, with six months of work. And it was really hard, hard, hard work because it's a 700 pages book. An identical book in English and Italian. Identical meaning to every single footnote. But remember, the citations rules are different. The language is different. But you will not notice anything. If you go rather to the Italian or the English version, they don't look, they are translated. And they, 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 they are uh, perfect. <laughs> so so it's, 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 it's been a very hard job. And of course, I, yeah. I tell, you, I tell you one thing. I usually do a book either in Italian, either in English. I never do, when I do my book projects, I have never uh, wanted to uh, do something like this because I didn't think I could uh, actually do it. Uh, and it was a lot of work. We started oh, yeah. uh, in June, May, May, June. Uh, I think around May, we really put it, started to, to put it together. And then we went along until uh, until November when we released it. End of November, now December for the English version. Very so nice. it's, it's 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 very. But like like I was saying, uh, thanks to uh, the research conducted with credible sources and other things, this book uh, is uh, a way for us. The, because I like to think of myself as the common folk. I don't like to think of myself as an academic. I like to think. Uh, of us, uh, of, we are the info warriors. These academics, they are all part of the problem. In They're other words, you're a, you're, a man, you're a man of the people, in other words. I like that because these academics are instead enslaved by the system. And that's why these archives are seldomly open outside of these leftist circles. And you can never really have a look at, all, at everything that's going on. Right. So I'm very, I'm very happy that I was able Thanks to, to to all the work that we did, and uh, and also the people that I've encountered in Hollywood, because my research for this book started in 2014, and uh, it started when, for the first time, I came to visit California. I stayed for um, three months, approximately three months, in um, Long Beach, but I used to go in and out of Hollywood every day because uh, uh, Sean Stone at the time uh, invited me to, to, to go and meet a lot of people there, uh, film producers, uh, uh, musicians, uh, um, people of various Freemasons, people of various secret societies. He wanted me to have a, the, an idea of what was really going on in Hollywood so I could really understand and write a book that was credible. And uh, I, I managed to put out uh, a booklet, let's say in Italy, of a couple of hundred pages uh, based on my experience in 2015. And then I kind of like left the project. I, I thought, okay, I'm gonna pick it up again later on. And when I came here, I was able, of course, to have further contact with people in Hollywood, the people also Palm Springs. It's really a place that has many links. Has a lot of histories, Leo. So, you know, actually, you know, I'm not even surprised that you are out there. there there's so much that that town, that city has so, such a history. Absolutely. And, oh, yes. And because, Sinatra's uh, house is there, too. Absolutely. Frank Sinatra, Liberace, Elvis Presley stayed there, uh, also Liberace's place after. Uh, we're talking about uh, 
definitely a city which had a, a link that was direct with the film studios like uh, Metro Golden Meyer because of the two hour rule that they had to be in and out of Hollywood the maximum in two hours and they couldn't really uh, go and uh, have holidays uh, further than this you know uh, Palm Springs was like the limit on the highway right it's, it's so so it created a colony of artists and at the same time it became also a place where they were filming regularly films then later on TV series, I love Lucy, for example. Uh, so it, for me, being here has been uh, the perfect place. Like I described in the introduction of the book, uh, this has definitely been the perfect place to, to finally come uh, and, and, and say, I can understand the food system and I can now deliver it on a book so that people can really uh, have a real a real glimpse of what is going on, not just a sense of it, a real view, no? Right. And finally, they can see, wow. And and it's like, you know, my friend Roseanne Barr, for example, has helped me out very much. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, in, what's in, going on with Roseanne Barr, by the way? I mean, the what? last time I saw her, she was on your show, and then... Yes, no, uh, she's, gone. Been, she's been sick. Uh, oh, she's been she sick. With her since she was a little bit unwell. Uh, and so with COVID and stuff, uh, I guess that she had some problems. Oh, that's but, not good uh, to that, hear. That is something that she's recovering. I think that she's doing great now, but she's more interested in uh, her grandsons and her... Uh, new place that she has bought down in texas i think oh yeah so she's <laughs> yeah. done with uh, the, the whole audio thing Sorry? so she's done with doing a show in other words at the moment i don't think that she's very much interested in doing shows so she's very much more, more interested in being in with living, her family uh, yeah I being see. with the family especially you know when i think you you evaluate the things differently when you when you're not well or you have some problems you know? oh yeah of course you know uh, once that happens, um, things uh, play out a little differently the way you normally handle your life. Um, yeah, I heard that she was about to do, maybe she told me she wants to do something uh, with Tiger Carson. They were doing something with Tiger Carson. Okay, soon. interesting. I'm, I'm not sure now how that is developing. And, um, and I've been busy, really. When I say busy, when I say six months of work, when I do my work, I, don't, I really reach out very rarely to anybody. And, and so I kind of isolate myself because it's the only way you can really get all this together. Yes. But I must thank people like Rosanna also because they definitely make me understand a lot of things about Hollywood, about the Sabatian Frankist operating in Hollywood. And, uh, and it was thanks to her, but also other members of the Jewish community that have helped me very much out uh, in uh, defining uh, because, you see, this is a moment in which we really need to clarify the position of the heretics within Judaism before this anti-Semitic rants, uh, Connie West style, go on and, and ruin everything for everybody. So you're saying you don't love Hitler? Well, absolutely. Adolf Hitler, okay. was, a pro Adolf Hitler was a produce of the Sabbatian Frankies. There, there is a, a... That was a joke, by the way, but I, no, I'm no, sure no, you no, got no, it. No, 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 but I just want to tell you, in <laughs> yes. volume seven of my confessions, I have the testimony of a rabbi about the ritual which was devised. Let's not forget, Adolf Hitler was Jewish, but he was a Sabbatian Frankist. His family comes from Sabbatian Frankist background. They actually did a ritual so they could uh, copulate and create him, incarnating a specific demonic spirit. I mean, this is serious, sick stuff. Right, right. So uh, when people say, ah, I like it, yeah, but who was Adolf Hitler? Adolf Hitler was a Sabbatian Frankist. And, and, and it's... Uh, 
Rabbi Antelman who says it, not me. I mean, I refer to rabbis who, who have very much knowledge, orthodox rabbis, who are giving me the possibility to really understand how things are in the Jewish community and how, and, and, and through, through different people I met, you know, I always had a sense, uh, very good sense uh, of, 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 uh, of trying to understand the Jewish people because I have also Jewish blood, even if I'm born in a Catholic background and all the rest. I have Jewish blood, minimum, not much. It was actually kind of a rarity, but they came into our family uh, because they adopted a Jewish, uh, a Jewish person. So, I didn't know that about you, Leo. I had no clue. Yes, so I have a Jewish blood, and so basically, like my wife has Jewish blood too. Uh, so uh, both Ashkenazi Jewish blood, and uh, so we 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 sense the fact this growing antisemitism and think that is unjust. Of course, uh, we could ignore it, but we don't want to ignore it because here we have to go back to the very roots of Hollywood, like I explain in my book, to learn that Sabatian Frankis created their own playground of uh, propaganda in Hollywood. When we, I don't know if you ever studied the, the Sabatian Frankist heresy, uh, people who are listening to us probably don't know what we're talking about, so just to refresh their minds, a gentleman called Sabatai Zevi proclaimed himself to be the Messiah. Later on, uh, he, uh, was, uh, he was living in Turkey, in present-day Turkey, and the sultan uh, forced him to convert to Islam, but then from that moment onwards, the, the movement he created became a crypto-Jewish movement in the sense that they will keep everything from the outside world by converting outwards uh, to in other religions. They, they, they found a new solution. Let's convert uh, outwards uh, as Muslims, later on as Catholics, with Jacob Frank who then claimed to be the reincarnation of Sabbatai Zevi, the, the century after that. And then uh, Jacob Frank, his cousin, became a very important person in the foundation of the Golden Rose Croix. Uh, another Sabbatian Frankist became Max Theon, inspired, the, inspired Madame Blavatsky, that then later on founded the Theosophical Society. Um, Pascal Beverly Randolph was inspired by Sabbatian funky stuff. I mean, you just need to go and study the work of uh, some people from the OTO, and, and, and you see that basically they come from Sabbatian Frankism. And, and, and so even Crowley was, in a way, a product of Sabbatian Frankism, even if Telem, of course, is uh, later on its own creation. And that's where Hollywood becomes also the way he can uh, push his new philosophy, which is the philosophy of the Antichrist, do what thou wilt, and that becomes uh, the philosophy of the roaring twenties uh, Hollywood Babylon. And I explain in my book how Hollywood Babylon comes to life. Not actually Kenneth Anger that creates, of course, a couple of books with that name, exposing a lot of this uh, crazy world of Hollywood for the first time. But it is D.W. Griffith in his film Intolerance, which uh, had this incredible Babylonian scenography reconstructed for the first time in, uh, in what used to be still a dirt road, Hollywood Boulevard, and then that scenography stayed there for, a, for at least 15 years before they removed it. So it became the basis of Hollywood. And later on, like I explained in my book, in 2001, this, the whole scenography was reconstructed for 
the shopping mall next to the Kodak Theater than the Dolby Theater, where they give the Oscars, where you see Anki, where you see the the gates of Ishtar, you see basically the elephants of Ishtar, you have the great gate of Babylon. All that is reconstructed from the film, from the Babylonian episode in the film Intolerance of uh, uh, D.W. Griffith. So, uh, and then, uh, of course, in the 30s, 40s, Crowley's Lodge of the OTO started to to go very well. It was uh, it was there that they actually did the first Gnostic Mass ever. It wasn't in London that Crowley did the first Gnostic Mass. Actually, it was his disciples who did the Mass in Hollywood, and uh, it happened uh, at 1746 Winona Boulevard, a side street of the well-known Hollywood Boulevard, and uh, it happened in March 1933. And that's where they, for the first time, they celebrated the very, very first Gnostic Mass of the Ordo Tempi Orientis, which, as you know, was created by Aristotle Crowley. Right. It's a peculiar brand of Gnosticism. He de- had devised this Mass actually in Moscow a few years before. He had devised, the, he, he was inspired by the Orthodox Church and the way they were celebrating Mass to pick up certain elements. Of course, uh, he, he had the naked woman on the altar, so it's a little bit different. <laughs> no, but right. I mean, uh, it, it, it comes in with, of course, his whole in- sexual interpretation of, cat- of, of Christianity, of all the elements of Christianity that uh, have this uh, uh, so-called uh, hermetic interpretation, of course, typical of the Gnostics, but he brought it one step further. And this mass was never really represented until uh, they decided for the first time to do it uh, in Hollywood. And later on, of course, it will become a classic mass of the OTO in uh, all the lodges uh, and all the encampments and oases, which are the various groups that the OTO is divided in. When you have less people in the OTO, you have, uh, I think it's a, a modest encampment, or, or then you have an oasis, then you have a lodge kind of thing. Uh, I think there is various stages of how many you are in. It's a little bit like Freemason. In Freemason, in reality, the lodge needs at least seven master masons, but you can create a triangle, which is the basis of a lodge with three free master masons as long as there is one for each light to light in the lodge. And um, so I describe in this book all the history of Freemasonry in in Hollywood, uh, the lodge, uh, also the temple in North Hollywood. I mean, people, for example, you know, they always think uh, where this, uh, you know, John Wayne was a Freemason, this other guy was a Freemason, but they never really tell you which lodges they were part of. Well, that's true. And I said, in my book, I give you that. I give you the names. You can go and visit the temples. You can go and check them out from outside. If you can go, you get in. And so you you, you have a little bit more, uh, how you say, uh, now North Hollywood Lodge 542, for example, and the importance of this lodge in which there were all kinds of people from the show business uh, that were very important in Hollywood, Clark Gable, John Wayne, uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, I mean, I like to give names, I like to give places, I like to make my book a different book from the garbage which is out there based on Absolutely, the yeah. Hollywood Illuminati and all that. This right. uh, gives you the actual uh, reality of it. 
some of it very disturbing because when it goes into the realm of Satanism with Anton LaVey, with Kenneth Tanger, it becomes also very disturbing. We have a photo of Anton LaVey right now in the, in the uh, chat room. I'm not sure if you can see that right now for yourself, but um, there he is doing that uh, interview there. And next to him is uh, Hillary Clinton mm, 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 as uh, Baphomet or Baphomet, however you want to pronounce that. Um, but yes, for those just joining us right now um, here in real time, as we are live, Leo is with us here, Mr. Leo Zagami, a respect author and a writer, investigative journalist, and of course, we are talking about his newest book, Confessions of an Illuminati, Volume 8, From the Rise of the Antichrist to the Sound of the Devil and the Great Reset. And, uh, you know, we are right around the holidays. This is a great time to get uh, get this book for someone. If you know anyone interested in all of these things that we're talking about, um, I would appreciate the book if someone bought it for me. Um, I haven't read the book yet, um, Leo, but I have read your previous work. And, you know, I, I like all your previous books. Of, of course, the whole Cyber Satan thing, um, you know, that's something I've talked about here before. And it's all coming to fruition. You, you know, these are all things that we've talked about in the past. And um, Leo, now we're starting to see all these things happen. All these well, various yeah, agendas. Because, uh, as you know, I uh, started to publish these books. Actually, I published them for the first time in Japan, the whole confession series in 2009. I started to publish books in Japan. Then I started to publish them in Italian in 2012, where it created quite a stir. And uh, it, it started to put pressure on me from that moment onwards, because that's really what led me in the end to abandon Italy. And uh, the Vatican had even offered me money to not publish them. Really? Yes. Uh, I have my wife as a witness because they contacted me. And when they couldn't convince me, they even sent some gypsies stealing my computers in my home, the home of my mother. Yikes. So I was pretty serious stuff for what they were trying to do. And yeah, but by the way, um, Leo, for those who don't know, you know, um, right now would be a good time to answer this question because I'm sure a lot of people are probably wondering at home. They're probably saying, why did you leave your home country? I know there's some controversy yeah, surrounding no, but, that. But uh, just to complete, in 2015, yes, I started to publish, 2014-15, the books finally in the English language. And I have to thank the son of Oliver Stone, uh, Sean Stone, because he found for me the publisher and uh, convinced them that it was uh, the right time to bring out my books in the English language. So I'm, I have to also thank Hollywood, uh, maybe one of the few people in Hollywood that uh, that seems to be thinking out of the box. It's a bit uh, of a curse, always. yes. Yes. Um, I had to leave Italy in 2019, as I also um, explained in volume four of my confessions. Uh, uh, and later on, I reiterate in various points of my books, uh, mainly... Uh, we were threatened. I was uh, l there was a lawsuit regarding Volume One of my confessions. A grandmaster and a sovereign commander of uh, a one of these irregular Masonic rites, like I said earlier on, they are dangerous at times, connected with the mafia. In this case, the Calabrian, ma the Calabrese mafia, the Andrangheta. They were strong enough to get me. To, to basically be sentenced. And I knew that uh, I will be taking my passport and I will never be able to leave Italy again if I didn't leave the country before June. They actually, the sentence arrived on the 6th of June, I think. Um, 
And then at that point, uh, of course, I wrote a reply from my website uh, to the Italian government. I asked the Italian president to look into this matter because I thought that this was a great injustice. It is an injustice, but I understand that even the Italian president is a, is a mafioso, he's from Sicily, so that's it. I, can, I can't really hope for anything from the Italian uh, Republic, so I changed my citizenship at this point. If I want to continue doing, you see, in Italy we have different laws. You can be arrested. There is not so, only a civil suit, it's a criminal suit for what you write in your books or in your articles. That's why journalists get arrested. That's why Italy is number 50 in the freedom of speech uh, chart uh, for journalists. I mean, number, it's like a third world country. If you go and check the Professional Journalists Association, the charts about uh, the freedom of expression and speech countries, Italy is down to number 50 something with uh, third world countries in Africa and things like that. I mean, it's like a banana republic. You can't talk bad about the Pope. You can't talk bad about the president. There is a local Billy Penny order. If you talk bad about the president, you risk seven years of jail. I don't blame you for getting out of there. I mean, it's like a fascist uh, state. I mean, the laws, you see, what they did is during the Second World War, the Freemasons that were uh, sent abroad because uh, Mussolini was persecuting the, the, the Freemasons, they went abroad and they said that we will use the fascist laws once uh, Mussolini is defeated. We will keep those fascist laws and use them against the people who oppose our tyranny. And these were the leftists that are in power since then and have control of the judiciary. But the problem is that on top of that, there is also the mafia element. They are in bed with the Freemasonry and they are, of course, control also the um, the system. Uh, so it's, it, it, it's, it's corruption. We see it also, of course, here in America. This kind of corruption is growing even here in the States, but definitely it's, uh, it's different from how I experienced it in Italy because there uh, it was also a threat to my wife, uh, who is American, who was really astonished about what they were doing to us. Police arriving at our door at nine o'clock for a Facebook post, breaking the door down uh, for a Facebook post. Uh, investigating me for, for simply for doing my job as a journalist, writing articles, doing this. So this is what's happening, uh, what's happening. And so I'm glad that you brought this up so people get uh, the, the idea of yes. the sacrifice of people who really are, uh, you know, sacrificing everything for what they believe in, which is uh, uh, the freedom of speech and expression and the possibility to expose this new world order. And Leo, your family's okay though, right? No one's gone after them or anything. My brother is very much uh, with the new government. Uh, his best friend is one of the ministries, the head of the new Meloni government. Uh, my mother is also co-founder of that political party of Giorgio Meloni that is now in power. It's paradoxically, they are now in power. <laughs> so, oh, so they're good. They, they conserve, but I don't, I don't trust those people. I don't trust the, 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 the Fratelli d'Italia, Meloni. I don't trust that party. I don't trust the conservatives in Italy. They're completely fake. They're supporting the war. Giving, continuing to give money to Zelensky is complete mm. rubbish. They are part of this new world. So they're no better than, than us here in America. Well, our American government, which Europe keeps uh, handing a money over fist. But it's nothing compared to uh, In Europe, you can't talk about these things. After 10 minutes, you right, have somebody yeah. knocking at, at the door. I, I saw it with yeah. my own experience. There's no comparison. That's you the beautiful thing. About, you know, I talk about these things with you. Tonight, I know that I can go to sleep now 
and I'm tranquil. I don't have any paranoia. When yeah. I was living in Italy, me and my wife were paranoid that somebody would break through the door at one moment or the other, and it happened. That is it wild. Happens. I even think that somebody would go after you um, after things that you say, but of course not, you know, that wouldn't happen here in America. That happens in other ways, but in your country, your home country, they would arrest you or even um, put you to death. Well, they will definitely arrest you, put you in a mental asylum, fill you up with... Uh, They'll try to kill you, yeah. Yeah, try to kill you in various ways. I mean, today we didn't really... I wanted to touch more on the psychedelic aspect, which I hope that maybe one day we can touch on a specific episode. But you see, the thing is that the, the psychedelics and everything belong to a mind control experiment that was conducted right. also through Hollywood. There was, like I explained in my book, a specific guy who was actually giving LSD to all the big actors, and he himself was part of the military-industrial complex. His name was Alfred Matthew Hubbard. And, and, and so they actually transformed what was a conservative setup in the matter of two decades in the leftist hellhole is now. So by the 70s, Hollywood was already starting to become something completely different from what it used to be before. And people like John Wayne started to feel more and more out of place because they were conservative, just as other people. And uh, like Charlton Eston, for example. They started to feel out of, uh, out of their, you know, because it was becoming gradually more. And, and in fact, Frank Sinatra abandoned the, Repub the Democratic Party in favor of the Republican Party. And here in Palm Springs, actually, with the... With the uh, the, the husband of Cher, uh, there was actually a, a Republican in charge, you know, and 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 it, all this uh, happened because uh, Sonny Bono was a guy who simply wanted to open a restaurant here, and then you know, started the, right. his, his political career. By the way, did you know that Cher is actually from El Centro, where I am? No, so from 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 your area. Yeah, pretty wild. Well, <laughs> pretty wild. Pretty wild. So uh, regarding, just to close, regarding the psychedelic, the psychedelic was uh, then the team that was, of course, brought to the great uh, experiments in mind control, like MKUltra, yes. No, no, I'm talking about experience in the music business. Oh, yes, in the music business. So in my book, I explain how they planned the whole thing with district attorneys, CIA agents, and everything for the Woodstock and the spread of LSD and how they will... Uh, basically take care of an experiment. It was an experiment. It wasn't like people think it's a happy fest. There's nothing happy about that. It's just an experiment. And Altamont was a similar experiment, and it was actually even more dangerous one because we had a human sacrifice with uh, that uh, with a young black guy being killed by the Hells Angels uh, while the Rolling Stones were playing music. And, uh, and then we have the other, but I would say that like, that those concerts at the end of the 60s and everything are part of this psychedelic revolution that was right an alchemical transformation of our society that was insane by the way the 1960s to the 1970s the sexual revolution re revolution the dark side of the age of aquarius like i explained yeah. in my book which was charles manson anton lavey kenneth tang the birth of the OTO in, 18, in 1977 becoming then a Grand Lodge, uh, establishing itself from Berkeley. There was also before that, of course, the Solar Lodge of the OTO, which saw also Charles Manson involved. There was the Process Church of the Final Judgment. There was a lot of stuff going on, and I hope that the people, when they 
uh, read my book, they have uh, a clear idea of how also they molded the American New Left. Uh, they use the Black Panthers of back then and all this and that, you know. And then we go to the modern emanations, you know, the Black Lives Matter, Antifa. I mean, I would say that uh, the, the LSD revolution has had some positive aspects, but you have to understand, Timothy Leary said he was just following up on the job of Alistair Crowley. Right. He literally said that. So, uh, yeah, we have a clip and I, of and I, and I met, I met uh, Timothy Leary in London. Oh, did you? I was lucky enough to meet him in London, wow. which was uh, kind of incredible. I met and interviewed Brian Geisen and in 1983, thanks to my grandmother. Because of my grandmother, I managed to meet a lot of people, but Timothy Leary actually met through a DJ in London who who, who, who <laughs> basically used to give LSD and stuff around, so I guess. So that's Very cool. Uh, LSD connection. And then uh, there was, uh, uh, he was called DJ Natural, I remember. He used to live in Portobello Road, I think, or somewhere. But I think that's where we met with Timothy Leary. And then instead, uh, I met uh, also William Barros, thanks to my grandmother, who used to work with William Barros as a PR. This was also incredible, but it's uh, you can find it on the internet. Just Google Felicity Mason and William Barrows, uh, and you will find. Uh, in fact, there is actually a couple of citations from my grandmother's book by William Barrows about my grandmother. Oh wow! So, so that's that's that stuff you can find in my newest book. I of course want to thank you for guesting me tonight. Uh, it's difficult always to resume to let's say synthesize uh, such a complex book of 700 pages. But one thing I can tell you for sure, is that also a book that all the people who have read it up until now told me, it's uh, they, they read it in four days because they find it very entertaining. It's a good and, book, yeah. And they find the topics that I touch and the way that I touch them uh, very revealing. So I think that people will appreciate this. I've, this book is to lift I want to say this once again, the bale of illusion uh, from the whole of this uh, show business. Uh, that includes uh, music, cinema, and everything that goes with it. Uh, but I also talk about frequency, sound in general. The way that we um, consume music, consume cinema, and everything now with the latest emanation, the streaming revolution, that is uh, the, the also... Another subject I touch in my book, which basically is the great reset of music, you know? You will own nothing, no CDs, no vinyl, no nothing, and you will be happy. What do you have with Netflix, Spotify, all these things? Nothing. iTunes, what do you have in your pocket? A DVD, a CD, a record? Nothing. So this is to make also people understand, and there is a whole chapter in my book also dedicated to how world, the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab has uh, literally worked hand in hand with the CEOs and the actors of Hollywood in the last uh, 10 years for uh, inspiring the, their woke ideology. 15 years, I would say. If, even 20. Uh, they started from the end of the 90s. And, uh, and all this uh, for the first time in my book, Volume 8, uh, with... Uh, the latest revelations about a world that has been uh, hidden from everybody, but I think it's about time that we reveal it for what it is. So without the misconceptions of people like Connie West, who maybe have, have a picture that is not complete. And that's why I actually talk about Connie in this book. And I say some good things about him, as well as some criticism on some points. And so I hope that you enjoy this reading. 
And thank you for having me on today, Mike. Absolutely. There's so much uh, so much ground to cover here. You know, you talked about uh, movies and music in Hollywood. And uh, my goodness, um, I, I just wish I could um, ask you more questions. I mean, uh, we barely scratched the surface here. Yeah, but I know we're... Yes, But definitely maybe yes, we'll in a do couple it again. of months. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll bring you back on here, of course, and we'll yeah. get further into it. I know you talk about the Antichrist in your book. Absolutely. And I uh, would love to have talked about that here tonight, but no worries, I'm Leo. Always a honor and pleasure to have you here on the program, and we'll do it again on the other side, my friend. Like, like, I, like I said today, I think we made people understand oh, that yeah. there is uh, something that needs to, that the, uh, the actual substance of this book is based on, on, on a foundation which is very steady that can't be confuted, that you can actually bring this book to any skeptic and say, okay, criticize this, prove me wrong with this. Now, you might not have the same religious uh, fixations or the same political inclinations or all the rest, but certain facts are facts. You can't contest them. They happen. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, some people will interpret that reality in a way because if they are perverted enough to think that it's all okay, well, then at that point they are far gone into the abyss of hell and just let them go. That's it. If, if they think that, uh, that we can go on with, uh, with a society that promotes we love you Satan among kids, kids or Balenciaga with spots about pedophilia, then at that point, uh, it's, it's like uh, we, we have basically uh, end up with a very unbalanced society that is pushing more and more this work ideology, these perversions on us. And we need to find a way to shield also our family, our children, but also the ones that are grown up, the teenagers that go to school, or the ones that go to university later on, and they find themselves brainwashed by these woke professors. That's right. And, and, and all this surrounded by a media, and the music, and the cinema, and everything that they listen on campus is all crafted to have that result. So I would suggest that also parents give this book to their, uh, to their kids. Uh, and, 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 and some have done that already in Italy, they told me. And it's working very well to make them realize certain things before it's too late and before they fall into the trap. Thank you so much, Michael. You got it, brother. Talk to you soon. Good night. Be safe. Good night. Thanks. Bye-bye. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was my guest, Mr. Leo Zagami. We were talking about his book there, From the Rise of the Antichrist to the Sound of the Devil and the Great Reset. That is Confessions of an Illuminati, Volume 8. Go ahead and uh, get that wherever... You can. It's going to be a great book uh, for all. Check that out. I read a few bits of it. Sent me a little bit of a preview. I thought it was fantastic. And of course, we talked about uh, Timothy Leary there for a Success. Minute. Turn on. Tune in. Drop out. Right. I mean drop out of high school. Drop out of college. Drop out of graduate school. Hindu chanting melded with motorcycles and rockets. Drop out of everything. Yes, I remember there was a time I used to open the show saying, turn on, tune in, and the drop out. Always fun. And my God, I hope you guys enjoyed that one as much as I did. And uh, I see that time is against us as always here, folks. And I do want to wish you very well, no matter where you are on this island earth. And uh, my God, if you want to take us on the road, please do so. 
You can find us um, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please uh, check out iTunes, Stitcher, um, Podbean, Spotify. Just look up the Michael Deacon program, and that is where you'll find us. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us here tonight. And of course, all of you guys out there in the chat room, those of you on YouTube, and of course, those who will listen back on the replay, always great to hear you. Always uh, great to see your emails and all that sort of jazz. And of course, those of you on Patreon, don't worry. New episodes are coming for all of you out there on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And that is where gold falls from the sky. And keep those fingers crossed. Say your prayers if that helps you. Once again, thank you for pressing play. We'll do this again on the other side. Be safe out there, boys and girls, wherever you are on this island earth. And signing off from the wastelands of California in a desert town called El Centro. I'll see you again. Have fun, boys. The Satanic Bible lists Baphomet as the symbol of Satan worshipped by the highest level of Freemasonry, the Templar Masons. 
In the Satanic Rituals, it is written that Masonic orders contain the most influential men in government, and virtually every occult order has Masonic roots, and that every rite of the Nazis' black order employed Masonic principles. Both Satanism and Masonic rituals involve the goat, the coffin, and the death's head. Anton LaVey wrote that the Masonic rituals serve as a screening process for organized Satanism. Freemasons can also be seen making the 666 hand gesture. The Satanic Bible lists Baphomet as the symbol of Satan worshipped by the highest level of Freemasonry. The Satanic Bible lists Baphomet as the symbol of Satan worshipped by the highest level of Freemasonry, the Templar Masons. In the Satanic Rituals, it is written that Masonic orders contain the most influential men in government, and virtually every occult order has Masonic roots, and that every rite of the Nazis' black order employed Masonic principles. Both Satanism and Masonic Rituals Planet involve Earth. the goat, the coffin, About and the death's head. Recycled. Anton LaVey wrote, Your only chance to survive or evacuate is to leave with us. Now, that's pretty major statement, pretty bold in terms of religion, in terms of anybody's intelligent thinking to most people who would consider themselves intelligent beings that say, well, that's, that's absurd. What's all this doomsday stuff? You know, intelligent human beings should realize that everything has their cycle. They have their season. They have their beginning. They have their end. They have cycles. Some time ago, the wire services and newspapers carried a story out of San Francisco describing the first satanic wedding ceremony ever performed. The pictures showed a nude woman lying on the altar behind the guest, whom you see now, the Reverend Anton Zandor LaVey, who is the founder and high priest of the First Church of Satan. Anton Zandor LaVey uses uh, as somewhat of a credo this timeless quote, remember, evil backwards spells live. <laughs> Somehow that never occurred to me. It never occurred to me until one of my disciples brought it forth, and I imagine uh, it's uh, quite true with many of us. How often do you have, you have to shave your head to make uh, it shiny like a devil? I, I have to put Vaseline on it as well to keep it shiny. I shave it once a day. Can I give a plug? Is that the, the odor you're giving off now, Vaseline? No, that's... It'll fool me. That's musk. That's, that's musk. That's the goatee scent you smell. For sure it's not frankincense and myrrh. No. That. <laughs> now, what is this uh, ring you're wearing here? It looks like it's weighing your hand down. Well, no, it's a magical ring. It is? I have little children rub it, make a wish, and it comes true. Little children come near you? Of course. <laughs> little they, children they, and animals. What kind of a wish did that ring ever make come true? Well, I would say uh, a great many wishes, but we won't go into them. Now, you call yourself a satanic priest. Yes. Is that the opposite of God? No, because Satan is a god, too. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you then, the uh, the dirty pope or what? Oh, I guess you could call me that if you want to say the black pope or the dirty pope or the the uh, advocate of, for example, the kingdom of night.